Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bethany Gilbert, and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune and special guest Kevin Huddleston of Quorum Deo Church. On Wednesdays, we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. And today we're talking about, has counseling replaced community? Mm. Provocative question. Wow. Going to make Kevin talk about it. Uh, again, We Chris Hemelman is still on sabbatical. Dusty White is still on vacation. And Kevin Huddleston graciously stepping in to make Bethy and I be able to talk to a third person <laughs> instead of just one another. This conversation. That just, would have been there's interesting There's a way too. this conversation goes and it requires more than two people. So That's right. here we are. Um, Kevin, you had um, this, I think some reading you were doing had kind of spurred this, uh, this question. And it's funny because we... We have a little internal communication channel, and when Dusty found out we were going to talk about it, he's like, "Oh, how could you guys do yeah. that when I'm not there? Like that's Seriously. that's Sorry, just Dusty. not cool." So he would have a lot it. that he wants to contribute to this conversation, but it's okay. We're going to tackle it anyway, and then we'll let him answer all the questions that listeners have that's afterwards. Right. Does that sound good? That's right. We're going to do a Q and A with Dusty Dusty White on a <laughs> Wednesday monologue with Dusty at that's some like, point in I the like near it. future. So yeah. So for those listeners that don't know me personally. Uh, I am the community group director here at Corm Deo in Omaha, and so I've been a part of the church for a number of years, and I actually came to faith uh, primarily through the context of a community group, and so uh, this context is really near and dear to my heart, and so I have a high value for Christian community, Christian fellowship. I see the ways in which it's formed and shaped my walk with God in ways that just studying my Bible and praying by myself can't, and so community has a formative effect on us, and it should because God tells us it will. He tells us that uh, we're to be knit together in love, we're to bear in with one another, and we can't do that by ourselves. And the beauty of community is that uh, we're invited to do that with people that are different from us. And so that's actually where the article that I was reading on the CCEF blog prompted me to, to think more deeply about this question because the article was entitled Community, A Struggle to Fit. It was published on June 30th by Darby Strickland. And, you know, it's not completely related to counseling um, as a replacement to community, but what it did prompt me to consider is she's really pushing for, hey, community matters. Yes, we all know that, but what what types of community are we aiming at and, for, and trying to form and shape? And she really pushes for, you want to be around people that are different. Diversity and community matters, and here's why. Um, she points to the fact that it challenges you to be more patient as a listener to, to those that take longer to formulate their thoughts, as a simple example. It causes you to actually have to die to self. I mean, Bob, I know in our trainings you joked about, hey, you don't realize how uh, unkind you are until you're with people that really annoy you, yeah. right? Or really are difficult to be Of course you're kind to all your friends. <laughs> you like them. Right, the people you chose. <laughs> but the thing about community is it's, it's not the people you choose. It's these are people that God has chosen. And so it does something deep and rich and beautiful. And so it, she says uh, it it molds and forms us so that we fit together. This is what God does in us and through us. And so, man, it just, it resonated with how I think we are aiming for an ideal. Again, it's an ideal versus reality, but how an ideal of Christian community and fellowship can work. Good. Now, why do we miss that ideal? Because that's, yes. you seem to got provoked by saying, hmm, maybe part of why we're missing this is because we're leaning on some other things that community, that mm -hmm. community actually is meant to do scripturally, but we've outsourced that. Right. I think where we've missed is, Settling for the lowest common denominator in community, which in some ways, again, we joke about this all the time, but there's something ordinary about getting together every week with a bunch of people and reading your Bible and praying. And yet there's something supernatural about getting together every week with people who are united in faith, most of them, and reading the Bible, and praying. Yeah, non-Christians don't do that. 
Nobody get, nobody goes to the same group every week unless I, they're in recovery or they're a Christian. And sometimes when I visit gospel communities, I just I joke about that. I was like, "Hey guys, yeah. we didn't I'd rather be doing something else right now, but you know what? God has invited us to be doing this." Yeah. And so this is a testament to the kingdom of God breaking in, the fact that you random accumulation of people, seemingly random air quotes, uh, are sitting in this living room doing what we're doing now. And so don't miss the significance of that and the beauty of that. Now, I think where we miss is saying okay, I'm going to show up, I'm going to go to community group, I'm going to do the thing, I'm going to nod along, and I'm going to completely withhold a lot of what's going on in my real heart, mm. in my true self. Mm. And so we talk sometimes about true self and false self. And so it's a lot easier to show up with my false self and say, you know what, I don't know if these people really care about the real version of me. I don't know if they're going to want to hear about the real things going on in my life because they're deep and they're hard and there's there's wounds, right? There's story, there's challenges, there's depression. There's You know, you fill in the blank on the symptoms. Um, so there can sometimes become a, what are these people actually going to do when I disclose what's really going on in my heart? I don't trust or know that they can respond well or make me feel cared for or known or better understood. And so I'm going to kind of withhold that. I don't think they want that version of me, but I need to do something about that version of me. So what I'm going to do is go see a counselor. And what I want to say out front is we love counselors, right? I noted this to you guys in, in my note about this article is, hey, we, we love counselors. There's counselors in, in our church membership. Uh, Dusty, if you were here, uh, Dusty, you're here in spirit. We love you. Um, he refers people to counselors if there's particular needs. So we're not, the question is not is counseling good or bad. Questioning is a good or counseling is a good thing, uh, but in its rightful place. I think where I feel provoked is if my first line of defense for challenges for needs uh, becomes a counselor, and then even if I go see a counselor, I still withhold that what I'm sorting through with that counselor from my community. Then I'm not allowing my Christian community to know the real me. And I'm hmm. missing out on the beauty of the gospel, which is to be fully known and fully loved. I can't, I can't be fully loved if nobody actually knows some of the deep, hard things I'm sorting through. Now, I can totally resonate with, hey, Bethany, you show up to your, your community group and you're like, you know what? <laughs> How do I recap, you know, however many times I've been to a counselor and in the depth that we, the depths that we've plumbed together? Yeah, maybe it's not completely appropriate to just rehash every counseling session I have with my community group. And yet, at the same time, if you are going to a counselor for six months and I don't even know that and suddenly I'm just like, oh, you're going to counseling? Like, I thought, I thought, we, I thought we had something going here, <laughs> Bethany. I thought we knew each other. I thought we were tight. Uh, how's that? You know, suddenly I'm going to be like, well, what's going on? Like, I don't need to pry, but man, you clearly have some sense of, man, you need something. You're, you're diving into some area of your soul or your story or challenges you're facing. And I at least want to be a at least want to, at the, at the surface level, want to be aware of that and know how I can be praying for you and with you. And again, that doesn't mean I need to rehash every counseling session you have, but allowing the Christian community to function as the body is something I feel like I, I want to see us challenged in. So you think that we are, you're hypothesizing that maybe um, we are allowing counselors to replace some of the work that was meant to be done in community or Correct. that maybe it's safer for us or feels easier for us to go pay somebody to talk about our yeah. problems rather yeah. than talk about them in a, in a group of people who are fellow Christians. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? I mean, the last thing I want to do is burden people, right? But at the same time, that is what Christ has done for us is he's taken our burdens. And so it's an expression of our love for one another in Christ to allow one another to bear each other's burdens in a way that's appropriate and and honoring to, to what the Lord's done. Um, I think 
I noted CCEF's tagline is restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. It feels like that's a good mission statement and for what they're trying to push forward because, yeah, we don't want church just to be a place of let's just go through the motions of the Christian life. We want it to be a place where we're earnestly and honestly able to walk with people through hard things and be able to walk with them through the journey of, you know, this the difficulties that life presents. And so I realized, though, as a leader in a community, I have limits too. Like, I'm not an, an expert on addiction therapy. I'm not an expert on fill in X, Y, or Z. And yet at the same time, I have the Holy Spirit living in me and I have the scriptures. So I have I have some tools to share with and shepherd people on the journey of restoration and redemption. And though at the same time, we can acknowledge our limits and say, yeah, counseling can complement community and probably should in some ways, but it shouldn't replace community. And that's where I feel like we're, we're missing something. Hmm. What do you think, let me ask you this, Kevin, and you too, Bethany. What's the idea? What would you want to see? Because you just described like, hey, what if Bethany's in your group and you just, <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't mention she was seeing a counselor and you just found out and suddenly you're like, hold on, wait, do it, you know, are you, is there things going on you're not talking about? Um, what, what's the ideal here? What do you feel like you long for Christians to lean on one another for? What would, what would the sort of like... What would, the, what would it, given the modern world we live in, and given the mm-hmm. good that some counselors do, mm-hmm. what's the goal? What's the ideal? Two things. I think one, I would love to see community group leaders cultivate the kind of safety and trust and space to be allowing people to share those things. Now that doesn't mean every night of the week we show up and say, "All right, how's let's plumb the depths of everyone's soul right now. Let's share," you know. <laughs> um, but at the same time, if if there's nev- if people don't feel like there's space or care or attentiveness to matters of the soul, then we're missing something in the kind of cultures we're creating in our community. So I think that's the first thing is I desire for leaders to at least have an awareness of, you know, I want, as a leader, I want people to show up in my living room and be able to bring the real self. And even if it's not the polished self, even if it's not okay. the perfect self. So that's one thing. Um, I also think I desire for people to, to feel like, when I have something going on in my life, community, Christian fellowship and community is, man, I need to share this with those people, that that becomes a first thought, that that's a first response. Okay, so why is it not? Why is that not a first Hmm. thought, do you think, for some of us? One thing you said is maybe it doesn't feel safe. Like maybe the environment doesn't feel like it's welcome there. And so I can see Hmm. how some people might just be like, yeah, if if it doesn't feel like this group is where we do that, Hmm. then I'm not going to do it there. So you're saying there's something incumbent on a group and a group leader to create a space where that would feel normal. Mm -hmm. But I also know that sometimes even when that feels normal, people aren't sharing that stuff. So what is it in us that makes us go, eh, not going to put this here or not going to lean on these people in that way. I mean, I wonder if some of it has to do with like kind of where we're at in terms of like with social media presenting a polished kind of version of ourselves to people and all of a sudden when you're getting real with people in your living room and you're telling them about some of the stuff you're struggling with, that totally falls down. My Instagram image falls apart. Yeah. Mm. That could be terrifying for some people, especially, especially for people, um, maybe non-Christians who are coming in. Like that can be, that can be scary. That's true. I also just wonder if, if people don't feel like it's okay to not be okay. Like that's just a, you know, in an American individualist, pull yourself up by your bootstraps type of society. If I don't have my stuff together, then there's something wrong with me. And again, that's something that culture's telling us, not what the, not what the Lord tells us. But 
if that's the water I swim in all day at work and in my neighborhood and with the people I run with that are outside of, of the church, uh, then of course it's going to make me feel like, well, I can't, I can't talk about these things, but I know in my heart of hearts, I need to talk about this with someone. So I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, and you mentioned Bob, you know, there's a, it's easier to pay for something, right? There is a little bit of, there's this exchange of service where, okay, I've, I've had the conversations. I'm, I'm going deep on story and anxieties and whatever things I'm struggling with and battling. Uh, and that person can kind of just walk away and I can go have my normal life. Like there's this strange, I mean, it's therapeutic, right? It is, it is ministering to us in a particular way. So I think there's a place for it, but, um, man, I just don't, I don't know if I want people to know all the real things that are going on in me. Right. I have three observations that maybe poke a little deeper for, for the average person. Um, one is to say, I wonder if we've bought into the cult of expertise. Yeah. I think this is something, yeah, this is something Edwin yeah. Friedman talks about is like, we, we live in a world where technique and like professionals are have a certain kind of credibility. So it's like, oh, well, of course I wouldn't talk to Kevin about this because he's not a licensed counselor right. and neither is anyone in my small group. I'm going to go pay to pay for somebody who's a professional in this area. And again, though there are good reasons to do that, I think there's also a mindset that's very common among people of like, well, you probably can't help me if you don't have a degree in this. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's actually a denying of what the scriptures say about how God's grace comes to us. Mm. The grace of God comes to us through his people, not through the person with the right degree on the wall. Mm-hmm. Again, not to say that counselors can't be helpful, but right. I, I think we need to restore a vision of how does God actually want to change us? He wants to change us through the means of grace and through his people. Mm-hmm. Those are key factors that God uses. So the professionalism or the the focus on technique and on credentials, I think is part of the problem. I wonder if part of the problem also is um, <laughs> our desire to be affirmed rather than confronted. Mm. If, if in a Christian context, I might have to repent of sin or acknowledge that I have responsibility, mm. whereas a counselor will just tell me, I'm sorry that happened to you or right. Um, it, rarely is a counselor going to tell me, Hey, you have a responsibility before the Lord. Now some Christian counselors will. Right. But I just think like there's a desire in all of us to, to sort of be affirmed rather than corrected. And sometimes we know that the places where we're doing work, if we bring them into Christian community, someone's going to say, well, let's talk about what your responsibility might be there. You know, um, I'd rather, if I'm talking about my family system, I'd rather go tell a therapist all the ways my mom and dad screwed me up than have mm-hmm. a Christian say, well, it sounds like you might have some forgiving to do too. You know, like uh, those mm-hmm. things are real, but also there's some responsibility on you toward them. You know, I wonder if there's a, a, a way that we just sort of like to not have to be pushed into the category of responsibility, forgiveness, ownership, repentance. Um, and then the third thing is, I, I wonder if there's... Um, uh, a, a, a misunderstanding of the soul. Hmm. Um, if, if part of what psychology has done is convinced us that sort of like everything is about, um, you know, the healing of our wounds or sort of like doing the work in our, in our psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's, I think the idea of what does it mean to commune with God about my grief, about my trauma, about my story what does it mean to bring God into that and to prayerfully experience his engagement with my story? That's a soulish level of work that sometimes is, um, I think it just feels less tangible to people sometimes than like, 
um, uh, what what a therapist maybe offers to provide. And so I, I just wonder if there's all kinds of like things we're doing in our own minds and in our theology that just, we just sort of with, you use the language at the beginning of the conversation, Kevin, withholding. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's just a lot of thing, a lot of assumptions we make about who God is, about what God's people can do and about how God's grace comes to us that we just sort of withhold stuff and just say, well, I don't want to have the expectation that this group is going to change my life because it probably can't. Mm. I'll pay a, th- I'll pay a therapist <laughs> to be my helper. I'll just show up at this group and have these people kind of be my, what do you want to call it? Acquaintances or, you mm-hmm. know, but whether I see this group as really helpful or not as people who could actually meaningfully bring mm. help to me, maybe I don't see them that way. Yeah. There's tension of course, because I agree with all three of those observations, Bob, it's, there's still a sense of, you know, and we're being pretty general about the type of counseling we're talking about, right? There's just the concept of counseling is good, helpful practice. But again, are we seeing it as a way to complement or replace Christian community in the aim of what it means to be a part of the body? Because as you're talking and narrating through that, I'm picturing myself even sitting in a counseling session and, and thinking, okay, this person could very much help me navigate all kinds of things that are really deep and complex and have tons of layers, right? We, we talk about that in, in times that we're doing care with people. There's layers of stories and things to undo. And some of that is repentance and faith. Some of that is just gospel understanding. Some of that is origin story, all those things. At the same time, the counselor is not the body of Christ. Hmm. They might be a Christian. They might be able to, yeah, point towards truth and exhort us in the scriptures, but they can't function. They're limited, right? There's a, there's, there, there's not the completion of the body of Christ that's able to bear in and strengthen us in in those ordinary means of grace. And so I just, I want to see our people and Christians in general have a value of Christian community actually matters. This is real things and we're talking about real stuff. And I actually can look across the table and say, hey, I don't think you personally, Bob, can help me, but I know that God's spirit in you can and will, not just you, but you and Bethany and, and anyone who's at the table with me. And I actually want to believe the promises of Scripture to say, if I bring my real self, then God's going to express his real love to me through his people. And that's a, that's something that I can't get in a counseling session, right? The other interesting thing <clears throat> that Will Walker used to talk about, and that I'm just thinking of as you're talking, is to say, I also keep other people from growing mm-hmm. when I avoid bringing them into things. Because it might actually be true that the person across the room from me actually isn't helpful (laughs) (laughs) and needs to feel the fact that that they're not helpful and have a moment where they go, gosh, I have no idea what to say to you, Bethany, right now. And and like that makes me want to grow because I don't want to be the person who's just sitting here not sure what to do or say, right? right? So, but if if I just withhold all that and say, well, file that away, Bethany doesn't seem helpful, I'll just go talk to a counselor. I actually keep Bethany from growing. Mm. And so it's not just what does community give me, but it's also how do my needs and and the places where <laughs> I need to, to experience God's grace, how does that help other people also experience God's grace? Which I think is the mm. dynamic of community is it's iron sharpening iron, right? It's mm-hmm. this sense of we all grow together by this messy thing that we're engaged in called the body of Christ. Yes. But... If, if we only bring the Instagram version of ourselves mm. and, and never there's never any friction or any places where it feels like, man, Bethany, you just totally missed me in that moment. And I, you know, then no one ever grows. And, we, and, and the, the depth to which we can actually experience, what does it mean to be a real redemptive community is just thin and limited. It almost feels like we often say, you know, like church is messy, community is messy. And it's like, 
I could go take the messiness to one single person who I know isn't going to tell anybody about this. And I can just like Mm. hash that out there. And if I can avoid the messiness in this group or like all the kind of maybe weird, socially awkward things that come out of it, because let's say one night I'm just, you know, talking about something that's just really hard for me. And the person across the room says something not helpful at all. Like, okay, now I have to maybe go have a conversation or say out loud, Hey, that wasn't that helpful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you have to have that kind of like awkward exchange. I think like people are like, well, if if I could, you know, not do that, that. avoid it. I will. I mean, I, I gotta be honest. That's sometimes my like feeling. I'm like, well, I could just go talk about all this really hard stuff. The stuff that's really difficult in my life with this one person. And Mm. If it's going to be awkward, it's only awkward between the two of us, not this <laughs> room of 13 people. That's but, right. but yeah, I am. I think I resonate a lot with what you just said, Bob, of like, yeah, how, how do we invite other people to grow or how are we giving people other like space to grow in learning how to like mm-hmm. walk through something that's really, really difficult with somebody? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, to do the one another's of scripture. Mm-hmm. I actually need chances to actually do that. Yeah. And if I'm not getting opportunities to do that with the real people in my life, I'm just seeing that on the page of scripture and saying, oh, that sounds like a nice thing to do. I wonder mm-hmm. when I get to actually exercise that. Bethany, the other thing that was coming to mind as you were sharing was that community is itself really hard. It's mm-hmm. hard work. Um, and it's pretty easy to just not engage. And I think part of part of the challenge of that is as we just don't like living in tension. Bob, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but... I think we like clean exchanges. We don't mm-hmm. like living in unresolved things. You know, we even try to coach our leaders on not, don't put a bow on things at the end of the night. That's not the goal. Uh, yes, we want to seek the Lord's face. We want to apply the gospel, but also you're not going to fix my my problem with my my mom or my dad or my abuse or whatever the thing is that I'm that's really hurtful and painful. It's not going to get solved overnight or at one gospel community group. Maybe it will. Maybe God will choose to deliver and free you from all kinds of things on the moment in the spot. We want to expect ordinary, extraordinary things to happen and also accept the ordinary means of grace of just being faithfully present in community and sharing the real true self. Um, but that's hard because then I have to see my friend, fill in blank name, uh, walk the streets and show up on a Sunday. And I know that person's story. I know the real version of them. They don't get to keep that back anymore in some closet. That's They're coming with they're coming with their full self to everything that they do, their job and their neighborhood and their vocation and whatnot. So uh, it's a lot easier to just not have to know that there, to know that there's not that many people out there that don't know the real me. I can kind of keep that to a contained space. And so it feels managed and manageable and some of those things. And I, I can see the appeal, but as you said, we're missing out on actually experiencing the real body of Christ at work in that. Going back to what's the ideal, um, I think the way you articulated it in something you sent to sort of tee up this podcast, Kevin, was to say the idea would be um, to to bring things to community first mm-hmm. instead of last. Mm. Um, I think, so I always want to think about like, how do I hope the body of Christ works? There's always a gap between the ideal and the real. Yep. But I think our goal as Christians is to aim for the ideal and be okay with the real. You know, we're yep. always aiming for like, what is the fullest expression of the kingdom of God? And, and, you know, let's always realize that we're probably going to fall short of that. I think the ideal is, hey, man, if if I'm stuck or I'm really not doing well, 
the, the first place I might go is to a Christian friend and say, hey, Bethany, I'm like, things are not good right now. Mm. And where then that person might be the, the means of, of saying, hey, you know what, can I pray with you? Can I, you know, can we talk with the group about this? And, hey, mm-hmm. maybe it sounds like maybe you should see a counselor. Like yeah. where, where the counselor would be the second line of defense. Yes. It would be like, hey, you know what, this seems like the kind of thing where there's a, a person that has some specialization who could help here mm-hmm. versus, hey, hey, Kevin, I've been going to a counselor for a year and, uh, you know, I just, I know I've been in your small group for a year also, but we've never talked about this yet, right? Where it's <laughs> like you're finding out news of like, hey, there's a whole other part of my life that I'm not talking about. And again, with some, with some measure of, I think one thing we also need is the skill to talk about things that are hard to talk about in ways that don't feel like we're sharing our guts, right? Mm-hmm. So it it would be, I want to let me give some, let me give people some language. It's appropriate to say, hey, I'm working through some things that have happened to me in the past that are just hard, and I'm talking to a counselor about that. Mm-hmm. That's appropriately vague. You're not mm-hmm. telling me, are we talking sexual abuse? Are we talking family trauma? Are we talking like, are we talking, you know, someone that close to you that died? I don't need to know all that, but it's helpful to know I'm working through some stuff in the past that's really hard to talk about. That just helps me at least know how to pray for you in that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, can we t- can we have that conversation here in my living room? Right. But I might be saying, hey, can I know that's going on so that I can know how to love you and at least say, hey, how's that going? How's that conversation yeah. going? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, or likewise, hey, you know what? My marriage is in a rough spot. I don't need, like, I'm not asking, can I come sit in your living room and watch you guys fight? But I might, I might be saying like, hey, thanks for telling me that. It helps me know how to pray for you, right? So Mm -hmm. there are ways that we can raise the flag and say, hey, here's what's going on in a way that doesn't require me to divulge all the details and open my soul to a bunch of people, but that, that is honest. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what you're getting at, Kevin, is there's ways we actually are being dishonest with one another, Mm -hmm. where if I'm seeing a counselor for something and no one in my small group knows that's even happening, that's dishonest. Mm. It's not, it's actually living two lives. Mm. It's, it's fine. I think it's fine to say, Hey Kevin, just want to bring a small group in. I'm seeing a counselor for some stuff. And you might ask me a follow-up question, like what kind of stuff? And I might say, I don't want to talk about it. That's fine. That's yeah. a fair disclosure, right? Yeah. I can't make you talk about something you don't want to talk about, but that's different than it's, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like the person who's like, wait, you're dating somebody. How come, how come we're just hearing about this now? You've been in them for how long? Like mm. these are just life events that matter yeah. that if we're real about honest community, we want to be honest about what's actually going on in ways that are appropriate to the room we're talking about. And I think just having some categories of how could I say, Hey, some hard things have happened to me mm-hmm. that, that I'm not afraid of what the follow-up question might be. And it's okay for me to say, hey, I don't really want to talk about it. Having just some categories like that, I think can help us learn how to enter into community in ways where we might feel like, I think there's stuff I'm not ready to talk about, but I at least want folks to know that something's going on so they can know and pray for me. And so I can be honest. Yeah, that's good. I also think, you know, we want our communities to be mixed, mixed company, right? We want I mean, I admitted at the beginning of this podcast, I came to faith in a gospel community. And so I had no clue what people were talking about at the time, right? I was asking the dumb questions. Why are we talking about Jesus so much? And people could have smacked me over the head and be like, is that a serious question? Uh, But they weren't doing that, right? They're expressing all kinds of hospitality and love to me and just allowing me to have space to be. So again, to your point, Bob, it's okay to not feel like I trust every single person in this room with my entire life story and all my wounds and weaknesses. That's okay. I hope that there's at least one or two or a, a smaller inner circle within that community that you can go to with a greater level of trust and disclosure. And maybe to your point, Bob, be a little bit more in the weeds in appropriate ways. And yet at the same time, if I'm willing to share and be honest with the whole group, even if not every person in that room would consider themselves a Christian, uh, 
in the exercise of bearing in and loving one another to that person who's self-disclosing and having some courage and humility and being vulnerable, it allows the body of Christ and the light of Christ to shine through in that moment. And it actually is a powerful witness for the sake of the gospel, right? We actually get to see the body at work in a way that actually speaks to the real human experience in ways that the world can't and that the world kind of has substitute versions of real love and genuine, you know, dying to self and bearing in, but at the end of the day are not rooted in the supernatural work of Jesus. And so when I'm sitting in someone's living room and Bethany, sorry, Bethany, you're just, you're in front of me. So I'm just saying here, you have, a lot, okay. you have a lot of challenges with Kevin. That's right. We should talk. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk after this. Um, but yeah, to say Bethany, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you shared that. Can, can we pray with you? And again, we talked about ordinary means of grace, but also having supernatural, extraordinary expectation Man, that's powerful to see somebody being able to disclose honestly and actually come around and feel loved in a genuine kind of strange way, but it should be a provoking way. And I, I want our communities to be able to be that kind of place, whether it's counseling or whether it's anything else that the, the body is at work and that's on display. All right, let me make one final observation here. And that is, I think um, I want to change how we think about the reality of counseling. And one of the things I want to change is I think that most people, most Christians I talk to, our working assumption is, Kevin, I probably have no idea how to help you. You should probably see a counselor, but I'll pray for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I think our assumption is we're just sort of backing away from tough things in people's lives and being like, look, I don't, you should probably see a professional. I don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think we work from the common assumption that probably you need counseling and there might or might not be something I could meaningfully help you with. I actually want to shift that and say, if, if you just do the history work here, okay, and ask, what we now call counseling, where did that come from? Um, the American Psychological Association was founded in 1892. That's 130 years ago. Okay. Um, Richard Baxter wrote his book called A Christian Directory in the 1600s. And what it is, it's a 948-page manual for all kinds of stuff we would call counseling. It's like, what do you do with someone who's really melancholy? How do you, like, it's just... How do you treat maladies of the soul, maladies of the heart, hard things in people's lives? So what I want Christians to remember is like, hey, this is our thing. Like we've been doing soul Mm -hmm. care, Mm -hmm. helping people with difficulty and suffering and pain and hardship in life. That's the Christian tradition. Yes, counselors started doing that 130 years ago, but guess what? We've been doing that a long time. So without, again, without demeaning the importance of certain professional specializations and skills, I want to make an assertion that like, hey, you know what God intended for us is like actually most of what you need, he's put around you. Um, most of the skill of prayerful help and care and support, that's why he's put you in the body of Christ. So let's let our assumption not be, you know, I probably don't have what you need, Kevin. <laughs> it's a, mm-hmm. I'll pray for you while you talk to someone else about that. But let's let our assumption be, hey, you know what? Probably most of what we need, we can give each other. And there's a little bit of it that we're going to need outside help with, or we need someone who really has a particular specialization in some areas. That's great. But let's our, let's let our assumption be, maybe the body of Christ has a lot of what we need to serve and care for one another and meaningfully walk with each other through hardships, difficulties, struggles, um, and pain in life. Mm. That's good. Bob, what would you say to the person that would say, that sounds great, but there's real chemical things there's biological yeah. things there's there's still things that the american psychiatric society is that what you psychological call? association the apa that thing uh there's ways that traditional counseling psychiatry 
there's modes and methods that that actually has been helping me in ways that I'm just not sure Christian community can. Are we safe to say that and okay with acknowledging that? Um, I would not be okay saying ways that we can't. I would just say mm-hmm. interventions that we are that aren't our specialty, right? So, Soul like, I would say, like, stuff. Yeah. right there, I had a really good mentor and friend who was an ER doctor, and so he really understood the biological side of things, and he was the kind of person who would say, "Hey, depression can absolutely be uh, biological," uh, you know. Uh, all kinds of maladies of the, of the mind and soul can be mm-hmm. like they're chemical. You know, mm-hmm. there are really chemical reactions happening in your body that are leading you to be melancholy or that, mm-hmm. right? So he was very much the kind of person who would prescribe medication for those things. But the way he said it is, hey, the medication I prescribe is just to get you to where you can do some of the other work that needs to be done, right? It's, yeah. it's removing some of the symptomatic realities, but it's not the only solution. It's not all you need. And so I think where I want to push back is just to say, yes, um, most of that work that we're going to have to do toward any kind of like real health is going to involve some soul work. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's going to be biology and psychology and all of those disciplines are helpful. But most of the time, we're also going to need to engage with the Lord um, and, mm-hmm. and experience his means of grace in some way. So I don't want to pit those two against each other. Like we're either, we either believe in counseling or we believe in Christian community. Right. I want to say we actually believe that when we're talking about the terrain of the human person, there are soulish and spiritual realities and also some biological ones and medical ones that we, we in no way want to pretend aren't to there. Um, and let's, let's let that be what it is and see people as holistic people who need probably all of those kinds of things coming together toward wholeness and healing. Mm. Final question. I think Bob, if I'm, if I'm listening to this right now, you say, okay, I'm convinced uh, I want to strengthen my community but I don't know how, like, where do I start? Do I, is there some, clearly not every leader listening to this is going to say, okay, I'm going to go get a counseling degree or a certificate or some kind. I don't, that's not necessarily what the call and invitation is here. Um, what would you recommend to a leader who's saying, okay, I want to do better at that kind of thing. Whatever that is you're describing, that dynamic in a living room where I can actually minister grace to somebody in a particular kind of way, not being a counselor, but actually having a few tools and feeling equipped with some framework, some paradigm, what do you feel like, what would be a good place to start for somebody like that? The starting point is start a fight in your living room. <laughs> he says with a smile. <laughs> what I'm, I, I always tell small group leaders, listen, the conversation you need to have that you're not having is to ask your small group, hey, why do you not share what's really going on in this group? That would be a great place to start because the answers you're going to get are all <laughs> going to hurt you because it's like, actually, Kevin, because you don't give us any space or time and you're reading the next question off the sheet and wanting us to move on. And I hate that. I'm, you know, like, the, it's hard as a leader to ask those questions because you're going to get feedback that basically are like, you're a crappy, you're a crappy leader, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that's, I really do think for leader, for people who are like, Hey, I want my group to have a different dynamic. We got to start with getting everybody to stack hands in the room and say, Hey, can we agree that like, we don't want to just do surface work here. How can we do better? So I, when I say start a fight, I'm being a little bit facetious. It doesn't need to be uh, conflict, but I do think it needs to be some honesty about, hey, y'all, how can we go deeper with one another? What's mm. keeping us from really sort of talking about what's really going on? And oftentimes just that conversation opens up what you're hoping for, which is like, oh man, I'm glad. I'm so glad you asked that because like there's stuff going on. I just, I, I mean, honestly, Kevin, I've had people tell me, there's this guy, Kevin, and he's not a Christian. And so I just, I don't really want to talk about this stuff because I mm-hmm. feel like he's not, he, he doesn't know, he doesn't know what I'm talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there are really honest objections and reasons why, why some groups 
fall short of the kind of thing you're hoping for. And sometimes just opening up a conversation about that is the most helpful thing to do and the most helpful place to start. And then just mm. praying for God to meet us in that mm. and meet us in our weakness and, and show us how to really move toward each other in love. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Bethany? Because I think you have a good insight I, on that too. I feel like, and I think this was something that either of you may have said one time at a GC leader training, but like before you meet together as a community, setting expectations, why are we here? What's the purpose of this? What do we hope is happening? And then doing what you just said, Bob, like asking, is this actually happening? Mm. Are people feeling like this is a space where they can actually be their true self and share honestly and openly? Um, I think that's always good because I think the farther you get away from that, just reminding people of that every single time is always going to be super helpful. At least that's what I've found. Yeah, I would say it this way. Every, I think everyone really wants to be in a group that feels real. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's always reasons why we're, why we're holding parts of ourselves back, but mm-hmm. it's usually not because we want to. There's a few, there's a few moments where it's like, I'm just shutting down. I'm not going to give myself, but mm-hmm. mostly it's just like, I don't know, Bethany, do you really want to talk about real stuff or do we just want to like, mm-hmm. should we just keep it service level? Yeah. Like we're all, we're all making, we're all looking around the room and kind of making a agreement with each other. That like, okay, we're only going to talk about surface level stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But man, if one person starts breaking that mold, Oftentimes we all go, oh yeah, actually we, we really want to be real mm-hmm. with each other. There's just things socially that keep us from that. Mm. That's good. So uh, I guess that another way to say it is to say, let's believe the best about the kind of people the gospel makes us. I, I really don't yeah. think there are any listeners to this podcast who are like, you know what I want to do is show up every week to a really lame surfacey group that doesn't <laughs> do any real work. Let's play church, yeah. everybody. Most yeah. people don't want to do that. Most people are like, man, I really, really want to be part of a meaningful group. Mm-hmm. There are just all kinds of things that... We, we do implicitly that work against that, that we're not trying to do. It's just the nature of how communities work and we got to work hard against it. Yeah. That's a good word. Thanks, Bob and Bethany. Thanks, listeners. If we upset you in any way, please email <laughs> Dusty at Dusty at fill in the blank. All your questions. Dusty. Right. Yeah. Email Dusty. Podcast at cdmo.com. We'll just kick that over to Dusty and let him answer them on the next episode of this podcast. But in the meantime... Let's not let counseling replace community. Let's mm. let's really lean into the normal means of grace, which is the priesthood of all believers, God's people mm-hmm. um, that he's given to us to help us on the journey. The goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we thank you for listening in and we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. We love to hear from listeners, so if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.